I sense in many of much of this in many ways, it could be to the Christian, to the pastor, to the preacher, in the days that we are living in, and how we are to carry forth the word. And then to the unsaved, we'll look at that also. Second Timothy chapter four, please, verse one. Notice the words of Paul from this chapter starts. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. In other words, he hasn't come yet. And Christ will judge the living and the dead. Notice what he says in preparation, Timothy's preparation, your preparation, and mine. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Let us pray. Father, We believe this word has been for this moment and for all who will hear it. Father, we ask you now that you will anoint your word and take your own word and inscribe it upon hearts and minds. I pray, O God, that you will imprint it within us this evening. Enable us to endure and to carry through unto the end whether life be short or long or until the appearing of thy gracious and wonderful Son. Father, we pray if there's one tonight not saved, not knowing your Son, we pray, O God, that you would save their souls this evening. Challenge your people, direct us and lead us and guide us in thy word. Whatever thou dost deem and seem fit to do, we pray would you do. And, O God, would you anoint me with fresh oil and help me this evening to rightly divide the word of truth for this hour. And, Lord, may Christ alone be seen, exalted, magnified, lifted up, and glorified. For we ask it in the Savior's name and for his glory alone. Amen. Paul's preparation epistle from prison. Paul in prison about 
to go to the executioner's block. He has his head cut off by the soldiers of Nero, the Roman Caesar. And he tells Timothy, a young pastor in the work, he charges him in verse 1 that he, therefore, he says, is charged unto the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then at the very end of our reading, the appearing is for those who love the Lord Jesus Christ and who are ready to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice here, Paul's preparation for Timothy is this. I will die. You must carry on. I will die, but you must carry on. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5, he says, But watch thou in all things. Notice, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make foolproof of thy ministry. So here are some quick points as we just introduce this this evening. First of all, in the preparation of Timothy, Paul gives his exhortation. First of all is Paul's exhortation. The exhortation here means to urge someone to do something. To urge someone to do something. I've found as a pastor in this day and age, you have a nucleus who do. And to urge others to carry on, they either think you're trying to tell them what to do and they fall out with you with stubbornness or else to urge someone to do something for the Lord, they rebel against the Lord and off they go, not wanting to return again. Easy lifestyle, easy living, soft, soaping Christianity. Notice here, but watch, he says, here's his exhortation, first of all, but watch thou in all things. Really what it means here, he's saying, be sober-minded and keep your wits about you. Be sober-minded, Timothy, keep your wits about you. For there's coming a time in verse 3 when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, they'll go to places where they'll feel comfortable, where they'll be cozy in their lifestyle, in their walk with God. They won't want to endure sound doctrine. Their ears, as it were, tell me things that I want to hear, not things that I need to hear. And hence, the very society today and much of the church life of 2022 is like that. Many Christians like the the good things, the easy things, the light things. It's Christianity light in many ways. Diet Christianity, if you want to call it. And hence, they don't want to hear the hard things. They don't want to hear about sanctification and holiness of life but rather they want to hear that which is pleasing 
to their own ears and their own heart. And hence they look for places as such. Notice Paul's exhortation is telling Timothy, be sober-minded and keep your wits about you. No sleeping on the job, Timothy. No sleeping on the job, Christian. No sleeping on the job, pastor. Keep your eyes open and not shut. Do not be a sleeping saint. Do not be a sleeping saint. And over the past two years, the church in many areas has been found wanting for they are sleeping saints. Sleepwalking every day. Sleepwalking, going with the flow. Sheeple going astray. Sheep people because of the way society will have them go. Brothers and sisters, you and I are to be different. When Christ saved us, he saved us to be separate and apart from the world. So Paul's exhortation is this, but watch thou in all things. In other words, do not be a sleeping saint. Secondly, Paul's admonition, endure afflictions, he said. Endure afflictions. Now, this is Paul's admonition And if you look at the word admonition in the English and then you look at biblical admonition, they're slightly different. An admonition can be a rebuke or a reproof. But it can also mean to counsel another in order to grow. To counsel another in order to grow. So if I'm I'm bringing a word of admonition to you, it's that I would counsel you according to the Scriptures in order that you would grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you wouldn't be a sleeping saint, but rather you'd be a wide awake Christian, ready to do the service and the will and the work of God. Notice what he says, Paul's admonition is to Timothy, endure afflictions. Endure afflictions. Uh, This here uh, term, endure afflictions, It is actually given in the original Greek text with what is known as a military snap. It's as though a sergeant is in the parade ground with the soldiers on parade and he shouts, Attention! And the Christian is to wake and endure. In other words, whenever we're ready to win, whenever we're ready to run, whenever we're ready to duck, to hide and to cover up, We are to endure and not give in. We are to press on in the work and not to stop the good work of God. No time for candy floss Christianity, he's saying. No time for candy floss Christianity, for they in their own lusts will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Candy floss Christianity will not build the soul nor strengthen the Christian in times of adversity. And so Paul, his admonition is endure afflictions. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and in verse 3, he tells Timothy, Thou therefore endure hardness. It's the same way. Timothy, endure it, boy, he's saying. 
It's hard, Paul. Endure it. I know what endurance is. I know what it's like in difficult times. I know what it's like in dangerous times. I know what it's like in hard times. So, Timothy, endure it. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So, endure afflictions is the admonition. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No time for candy floss Christianity, nor carnal Christians who just want the things to feed the flesh and go home again without getting into the fight. Many want to feed the flesh and have a good time and go home without getting into the fight, the good fight of faith as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No snowflake soldiers, Paul is saying. Do you know what a snowflake soldier is? He's a soldier who melts when the going gets hot. He melts at the sign of trouble. She melts at the sign of hardness and hardship. When the society is telling us what we should do, rather than the other way around, what the Lord said society should do, we have those Christians who are sleeping saints. We have candy floss Christianity. And we also have those who are snowflake soldiers who melt at the first sign of trouble, problems, and hardship. And he's saying here, his admonition is endure affliction. Endure it, brother. Endure it, sister. Endure what comes. Endure it in life. Endure it in your walk. No matter the hardship, no matter the affliction, endure it as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Notice Paul is really saying to Timothy, Timothy, endure to mature. Endure to mature. So brothers and sisters, endure to mature. And thirdly, we have Paul's recognition. He says in 2 Timothy 4 and 5, he tells Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. It can be hard to go out there to reach the lost. It can be hard to go out there in the street or work or society. It can be difficult. But here Paul is saying, do the work of an evangelist. The recognition, this is Paul's recognition. He recognizes in Timothy something. But I want to open this up a little for you. Listen to the words of John Bunyan. John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Don't worry about the wind. I know it's noisy, but we'll be all right. John Bunyan said, it is sad that in some countries, trees will grow, but will bear no fruit because there is no winter there. Because there is no winter there. Winter in the life of ministry, winter in the life of Christianity, winter in the life of our walk with Christ is of the utmost importance. If we are to endure, to mature, then we have to recognize the ministry of the man and the ministry of the woman. 
Paul says to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Something I want you to notice here. There's no definite article in this part of the verse. There's no definite article. Paul says, do the work of an evangelist. He didn't say, do the work of the evangelist. If he wanted to say thee, he would have put thee in. There's no definite article. And the reason it's put there is because Timothy was a pastor. Timothy was a shepherd. And the definite article isn't there because the Lord has placed in the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And the evangelist goes out Think of maybe Kevin there would go out and give out the leaflets, the tracks around the doors, witnessing, telling people of the Lord and maybe guiding them back to the house of God. The evangelist in the church goes out. But what he's saying to Timothy here, what he says to me and what he says to you, not that we can never go out, but what he is saying is this. I recognize Timothy that you may not have the gift of an itinerant evangelist preacher, but that he should still present the gospel of Christ wherever he can, to whomever he can. For example, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, he says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. He's saying, Timothy, teach the people. You're the shepherd. You're the pastor. Reach the people, but teach the people. And there's the downfall of many Christians. In fact, let me rephrase that. There's the downfall of many pastors. The many Christians I sit and talk to who know nothing of the Scripture... Alison and I used to be friends with a couple. When we spoke of the second coming of Christ, they knew nothing of it, and they sat in a Pentecostal church for years. And then when we spoke about it, they asked us to stop because they were afraid. Christian, it's time that we knew the Scriptures and that pastors would start to teach the flock the word of God. Paul's recognition is this. Timothy is a pastor, but he must bring the good news of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he must never be reaching out for the lost. He must ever, pardon me, be reaching out for the lost, both in his teaching, his preaching, and his personal contacts. In other words, no evading evangelist Timothy. You're a pastor, but don't be an evading evangelist where you're afraid to speak the word of God, where you're afraid to preach the cross, where you're afraid to preach the book and the blood and the blood and the book. It's wrong. Men are afraid. There's preachers who are in here. My brother Ronnie would have told you, Ronnie's not with us this evening, but he would tell you, There's churches he's went to now and have told him 
not to preach the blood. And that's the truth. Not to preach the blood of Christ. And so Paul is saying, I recognize you're a pastor, but you have opportunity to teach and to preach the cross work of Christ. Everyone who steps behind the sacred desk should be preaching the blood in the book. Every single one. No evading evangelists. No mealy mouth messengers is what Paul is saying. Fourthly, Paul's compilation of it all. His preparation, exhortation, admonition. And then we have recognition. Now Paul's compilation. Notice, make foolproof of thy ministry. Make foolproof of thy ministry. So in verse 5, Paul says, watch, do not be a sleeping saint. He says, endure, no candy floss Christianity nor snowflake soldiers, no carnal Christians, no mealy mouth ministers, no evading evangelists. And the reason he has to make foolproof of his ministry is this. For many do not see the spiritual gains or the bigger picture. Then if you don't make the fullness of your ministry, Timothy, they won't understand the fullness of the gospel they're saved under. Can I ask you, do you know and understand the fullness of the gospel you were saved under? See when a man and woman fully understands and gets the grips, even though we still can't get to the fullness of the cross of Christ, but gets the grips in the scripture, that which they have been saved from and saved to and by whom, that alone will take you to heaven, will strengthen you throughout your afflictions if you understand exactly what the scripture says about your salvation. They do not see spiritual gains nor the bigger picture. They don't see the Lord working. They do not see that we must endure to mature. They are professors and not possessors. And they are a hindrance and not a help to the gospel. Paul's compilation is this. Make full proof of thy ministry. In other words, the words here, full proof, it's a big word, pleurophoria. And it means to cause a thing to be shown to the full. To carry through to the very end and to fully perform it. In other words, everything that you have in your life, Christian. Everything that you are before God, Christian. Every day, every second, minute, hour. Every week and month that God affords you breath in your long Christian. Every gift that he has given you. Every talent to employ. Every single part of it. Paul is saying, do it to the best of your ability for the glory of God. If it's singing, if it's playing, if, if it's shaking a hand, whatever it is, do it to the glory of God. And do it to the fullness Paul is saying, Timothy, I will die. And when I die, the torch is passed to you. 
And what he's saying is this, Timothy, be sold out for Christ. Be sold out for the Lord. Are you sold out? Are you willing to be sold out for Christ tonight? I challenge myself in this. It was on my heart, it was on my mind, and I says, Lord, surely this would be for, for those who are already saved maybe on a Sunday morning around the table, but it was pressed on me to bring this evening. And I held off and I held off until Friday evening I finished it. I walked away from it twice. I walked away from this word twice. And I came back to it. You know why? Because it challenged me. Because I had to bring myself before God. It challenged me. Christian, are you ready? In these dark days we live in, to be sold out for Christ. Are you ready to be sold out for him? Completely, fully, totally, and utterly sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's saying in every aspect of the work of the ministry, this is what he's saying, Timothy, leave your mark for the kingdom of God. Leave your mark for the glory of Christ. I was thinking about this and you know, I personally have never known a man who has left his mark with the, the fullness of being sold out in his life like my late pastor, James McConnell. When I thought about it, strange I'm bringing this tonight, for I had it written and it came to my mind. Tonight marks 65 years that the White Whale Church started. A man sold out for God and God built a work with his hands. Are you sold out for Christ? He left his mark. You just drive down the shore road in Belfast and you can see it there. But he left his mark on something greater. He left his mark on the hearts of thousands of men and women across the land and the world. Like me. And I thought, Lord, I want to leave my mark. Not for the glory of me, but for the glory of Christ and the extension of the kingdom of God. I want to leave my mark. I want to be serving, Lord. And in the words of my late pastor, I want to die with my boots on. I want to die serving Christ. I want to die loving Christ. Should Christ tarry, but I look and love for his appearing. Brothers and sisters, here is our challenge this evening. Make full proof of thy ministry. Leave your mark for the kingdom of God. 
You have a purpose, Timothy, Christian. You're here for a reason. Everyone has a ministry. And as Mordecai said to Esther when the house of Judah were in Babylon, Esther 4 and 14, Mordecai turns to her and says, Who knoweth? But thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He says, Who knoweth, Esther? But thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. In other words, Esther, leave your mark for the kingdom of God. Leave your mark for the glory of Christ. Unfulfilled ministry may be due to different things in life. I understand that. For they come to my door as well as your own. Unfulfilled ministry can be held back by fear, by unbelief, worldliness and what the world has to say and discouragement. I understand that. Listen, it wraps my door probably more than it wraps many people's doors. William Gurnall once said, the minister's work debilitates nature like the candle. He wastes while he shines. I want to say it again. The minister's work debilitates nature like the candle. He wastes while he shines. And Paul was in a Roman prison waiting to go to Nero's chopping block to lose his head. And while he was wasting, he was shining. And he says, Timothy, take the mantle, uphold the torch, take the word and run with it, son, and make your mark for the kingdom of God. Oh, yes, you may get weary. You may get tired, he says. But shine while you waste away. We're shining for other things and we're loving other things. And we're wasting away and closer comes the day when we stand before the judge of the quick and the dead as we read tonight. Timothy. Timothy, I'm wasting, but I'm laying it all on the altar. I'm laying it all on the altar. Someone spoke to me, I think, I can't remember the weeks are going that quick, but I think it was the beginning of this week or last week, and I was, I was absolutely done out on Monday, and someone says to me, I can't even remember who it was said it, but they were thinking about me. And this is what they said, but you know what? You leave it all on the pulpit. When you preach, you leave it all on the platform. I says, I do. I do. And brothers and sisters, you know why? I leave it all on the pulpit or the platform. I'll tell you why. Because if you were there when Christ saved me and where he saved me from and what he's forgiven me of, you would do the same. 
You would do the same. And maybe you were worse than me. You should do the same. Leave it all on the altar, all on the platform. Leave it all at the foot of the cross. And so Paul writes from prison a letter of preparation for Timothy. And Paul was wasting, pardon me, Paul was writing. And as he was writing, time was passing. As Paul was writing, there was no wasting. For even in the prison, as the sands of time were ebbing, Paul was still shining. Tell you, brothers and sisters, what we're lacking at the moment. The brightness of the glory of God in our lives. Whether my last breath would be now or God spurred me in Christ tarry for many years, whenever that time is, I want to face my Savior, my Lord and my King. But I want to face Him at His appearing, shining for Him, witnessing the gospel, preaching His word, glorying in the cross. And the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to die with my boots on. I want to be in harness. Paul prepares young Timothy, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work on evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Notice verse 6. For I am now ready to be offered, for the time of my departure is at hand. I'm handing it over, Timothy. I'm going to meet the Lord, but I'm ready. I'm ready. Can I ask you something? Are you ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord? What I mean you're ready, are you saved? Are you saved? The term here for I am ready. I lifted this bottle to get a drink and I sat it down again. Hold on a second. The term for I, I am now ready to be offered... See, the I in it, it's what's known in the original text as an emphatic, emphatic I. An emphat, it's very emphasized. It's an emphatic I. And this is the way Paul is saying, for I, me, Timothy. That's the way he's saying it. Me, myself. I'm not talking about you, Timothy. I'm not talking about the preacher in CET. Not even talking about all those who have come in this evening. Not talking about those who are watching live on Facebook and live on YouTube and who will watch it during the week. Not talking about them. Paul in the prison cell 
with the mortality coming to his frame, he says, for I am ready. See, that's what matters. And that's what counts. Doesn't matter about anyone else. He says, for I am ready. For I am now ready to be offered. The word offered means to be poured out as an offering. When Nero's chopping block, his head rests upon it, and the axe man's head comes down, or axe comes down to sever his head, the offering would be poured out. I give my life for the glorious gospel of Christ. I am set for the defense of the gospel, he says. And yet there are those teachers who are tickling the ears of many. And the gospel which Paul has died for and many millions more and has stood through the test of time, they have removed themselves from it in order to have an easy life and possibly to have a nice paycheck at the end of it. Paul is saying, as for me, personally, what about you, friend, personally? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you saved? Notice, first of all, quickly, three quick points. First of all, you can write here in this verse, a life ending. A life ending. Paul was ready to go. He was ready to die. He was ready to meet the Lord. Paul was ready to stand before God. Paul was ready to be launched out into eternity, even though it be through an axe man's axe severing his head from his body. Paul was ready. Paul was ready to go through the valley of the shadow of death for he knew that he belonged to Christ. And Paul wasn't wanting to die, nor was Paul looking to die, but he was ready to die. For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. In 2 Timothy 4 at the end, of it, he says, and the time of my departure is at hand. Listen to Psalm 89 and verse 47. Remember how short my time is. Wherefore thou hast made all men in vain. In other words, it's not that God made it, made men and, well, you know, he done a wrong thing or he made a mistake. The idea is he made men like wind, like a vapor, vanity. They just disappear. Their life is fleeting. Psalm 89, verse 48. What is man that he liveth and shall not see death? Shall he deliver his soul from the hand of the grave? And he finishes it, the psalmist says, Selah. Now let's pause, it means, and let's stop and think about this. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, It says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born 
and a time to die. You can show me your birth certificate, I'm sure, or if you haven't got one, you can get one at the council offices, a time to be born, but we haven't got that second one yet, for if we do, we can't show it because we would be gone. But someone else could show it for us. And between that is our life to live for Christ. A time to be born and a time to die. Do you know in chapter 3 of the book of Ecclesiastes, the word time, T-I-M-E, is mentioned about 31 times. In that one chapter alone, a time to be born and a time to die. For example, under the heaven, all things that are done under the heaven is mentioned twice in the whole book of Ecclesiastes. And under the sun is mentioned 29 times. In fact, I read a concordance said 27. I counted 29 and I tried it again and I still counted 29. So either I've miscounted twice and they've got it wrong, I don't know. But I put down 29. I counted it over again. Under the sun and under the heaven, both together in the whole book, mentions it 31 times. But yet 31 times the word time is mentioned in one chapter alone. So how are you managing your time with Christ? How are you managing your time with Christ? And how are you managing the time you have on this earth? James 4 and 14 says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, then vanisheth away. We're here today, as it were, and gone tomorrow. Paul says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. There's a life ending here. A life ending. The, the word for departure Analysis it is. I think that's the correct pronunciation. And it gives the idea to unloose something, to break up, to let go. And it gives the idea of a ship putting away from the dock, putting up the anchor and starting to sail. But here's another thing it gives the idea. It gives the idea of an army has their tents encamped and they're giving the trumpet blast, telling them, break up the tent. Put it all away. We're moving to a new place. We're going to a new settlement. And Paul says, as a tent maker he is, remember? He says, I'm breaking up my tent, speaking of his body. It's going to be taken up. And he's saying, Timothy, I'm moving to a new place. What place would you be moving to if it was you? What place would you be moving to at the breaking up of your tent? And so we have a life ending. Secondly, quickly, a life lived. Second Timothy 4 and 7 says, he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Notice, I have fought a good fight. See the word agud. That's our English, but there actually is a definite article here. So there was do the work of an evangelist. There was no definite article, the evangelist. 
But here it is actually the definite article. I have fought a good fight. Can actually be read, I have fought the good fight. See, people fight for different reasons. People fight for different loves. People fight for different ideologies. People fight thinking they're doing the right thing and fighting the right fight. But Paul says, out of all the fights I've done, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. My is in italics in your King James, meaning it's not in the original text. Nothing wrong. It doesn't do any violence to it here. But it's, I have fought a or the good fight. I have finished coursework. I have kept the faith. Paul finished well. Notice Paul finished well. Paul finished right and Paul finished ready. And this was his life lived that he fought the good fight, finished his course, and he kept the faith. He was a zealot. Read Philippians 3 and 5 when you go home in verse 6. Read Galatians 1 and 13 how he says, For ye have heard of my conversation, that means his lifestyle in time past, in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. He was a religious zealot, but not right with God. Remember, it was also Paul who wrote, there is none righteous, no, not one. Then we have, thirdly, a life saved. Praise God that he saved us, our souls. I took a quote from my late pastor's book, one of his books. And this is what he said. Pastor James McConnell, he wrote, There is no earthly remedy for sin. Religion is no remedy. Money is no remedy. Education is no remedy. Medical science is no remedy. Psychiatry is no remedy. Rehab centers is no remedy. The only remedy for sin is in a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. For the angel declared in Matthew 1 and 21, his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. A saved life, a saved soul, a saved man, a saved woman. Stay with me for a few moments as I round this up. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. The word term finished my course is what's known as the perfect tense. In other words, it's something that's completed with a past action. Paul says, for me, I've done what I've come to do. I've went where the Savior sent me. And now I'm ready to go. I've sat at many bedsides. And even some Christian men have said, oh, please, if he had given me away longer, I would do this and do that. 
And really, you know what? No, they wouldn't. Because they had the chance and told probably many times. And yet they refrained and refused. Paul says, the term finish the course gives the idea of a runner crossing the finish line. Paul says, Timothy, I've crossed the finish line. I've done it all, Timothy, what the Lord has given me to do. He saved my soul and I've served him with all I have, sold out for him. And as for me, I'm ready. I'm ready. What if it was you, friend? He had done the service, gone through the difficulties of his warfare, and had been instrumental in carrying on the glorious victories of the exalted Redeemer over the powers of darkness. Paul is now laying his all down in glorious victory, in blessed rest, and in an absolute assurance of his eternal destiny. Paul may have fought, finished, and kept, but it was Christ who kept Paul, enabled Paul, and endured him through it all. The knowledge of Christ. It's Paul who said, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It was Paul that said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And it's Paul that said in Galatians 2 and 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But the life that I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The knife that I now live, no way saying I now live, because he wasn't saved in his religion. He was saved when he met Christ. And he says, and since I've been saved, I've been changed. Since I've been saved, I've been serving. Since I've been saved, it's glory for me. It's Christ. Come on, Christian. Come on, brother. Come on, sister. Where are we in a sleeping age of sleeping sense? Where are we with Christ and his kingdom? Paul says, for me, it's Christ. And I'm ready. I don't usually mention Pastor McConnell this much. He's just in the head because it's the 65th anniversary, so forgive me. When he was dying, <clears throat> this is what he said. Every time I went to see him, it was just, how's the work? What about the work? And I was going, what about you? Oh, well, sure, it doesn't matter. What about the work? What about the work? Tell me what God's doing, son. Tell me about the spirit moving in among the people. Tell me about the salvation that's happening. What about the work? That's all he thought of. He's dying. 
And he asked, well, what can they do for me? And he was told, either the Lord's going to take you or heal you, one of the two. There's nothing they can do. And this was his words. Well then, we shall press on. Well then, we shall press on. He died well. And he never mentioned it one more time to the day he took his last breath. He just went on talking about the Lord. A life rewarded is found in verse 8, henceforth. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Just as this last part, point, promise you this is the last. Listen, henceforth, and Paul is in writing and saying, from now what's left for me is the chopping block. Paul could have said, you know what's next, Timothy? They'll take me out and they're going to cut off my head. And oh dear, this is what, this is what looms ahead of me. The chopping block. Henceforth. But he doesn't say that. Paul lost his head, but he gained his crown. And his henceforth is this. Henceforth. Oh, the chopping block, Paul? No. Henceforth, there is led up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give unto me. Oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. 